Hello and thank you for joining us for episode 10, part 2. I'm Bradley Hargis, the officer and pastor of the Salvation Army in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And we have been venturing through a three-week series uh, looking at the purpose of the local church. We have been declaring what the church is and what it is not. The church is a place to serve and to be connected and to live on mission for God's kingdom. And so, if you will, go ahead and turn to our scripture tonight. It's going to be Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Again, that's Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. And this is one of the most uh, important, really, scriptures on the purpose of the church, as well as why it's important to go to church. Verse 19, so my friends, Jesus by his blood gives us courage to enter the most holy place. He has created for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. Since we have a great high priest who presides over the house of God, let us draw near with true hearts full of faith, with hearts rinsed clean of any evil conscience, and with bodies cleansed with pure water. Let us hold strong to the confession of our hope never wavering, since the one who promised to us is faithful. Let us consider how to inspire each other to greater love and to righteous deeds, not forgetting to gather as a community, as some have forgotten, but encouraging each other, especially as the day of his return approaches. And as we read through this, there's, there are several topics that we could really investigate, like community or commitment or the church as a whole, or even isolation if we don't go to church. But our big idea today is going to be that our faith must be based on a personal relationship with Jesus, and we can't do it alone. We must pursue genuine community with other believers. And so Hebrews is very unique in a lot of ways. First of all, we don't really know uh, who wrote the book of Hebrews. The author shows us how Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God's love and his mercy, and he is worthy of our devotion. Another unique thing about Hebrews is it compares and contrast Jesus to key historical people and events of the Old Testament. Through these comparisons, we see his superiority. He is greater than, let's say, the angels or the Torah, Moses, the promised land, the greatest priests in the Old Testament, such as Melchizedek, sacrifices in the covenant. He is God's word the hope of a new creation, our eternal priest, and the perfect sacrifice. Throughout the book of Hebrews, we are also challenged to remain faithful to Jesus and follow models of faith from the Old Testament despite hardships and persecution. These challenges will make us uncomfortable, but instead of fearing them, remember that rejecting Jesus is foolish. Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God's love and mercy and is worthy of all of our trust and devotion. So, On this topic of superiority, we know that Jesus is superior to angels because he is God's word to the Israelites and all other messengers for that matter. We should pay attention to his message. Jesus is greater than Moses, that Jesus leads his people like Moses led the Israelites. 
It's as if he's saying, do not rebel and lose out on God's gracious offer to enter into this new creation or a new heaven that's coming. It also is to say that he's greater than Melchizedek. He's morally flawless. Jesus is the ultimate priest and mediator between humans and God. Instead of rejecting him, we should accept him and be fully reconciled to him. He's greater than any sacrifice. That Jesus' death on the cross was a permanent sacrifice and fulfilled the covenant. He died once for all, so accept his gracious offer of forgiveness. And lastly, the book of Hebrews ends with a challenge to faithfully trust Jesus and follow out the great Old Testament models of faith despite life's hardship and persecution. So, rather than attending church, let's say, on a come-and-go basis, we should strive to be connected to an authentic, godly community. And so, there's a few ideas that I have with this. First of all, that American individualism, if we're honest, has in emphasized a personal relationship with God to the point that many people who call themselves Christians think community, such as walking together and life-to-life accountability, is optional. But intentional Christian community is a non-negotiable part of being a healthy and effective believer. John Wesley once said that Christianity is not a religion for solitude or solitary. The Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. Another thought about this that we have to really consider is what 1 Peter 5, chapter 8 says. That there's something that goes around looking for something to devour. And we, of course, know this is the devil. And whenever we are alone, we're more subject to attacks of the enemy. So, in essence, maybe us believing that isolation is good, and in turn can be very bad for us. I don't know about you, but another thought I had with this scripture is... One of my favorite memories as a child was actually loading in the car and getting to go to a drive-in movie theater. We lived in kind of central Texas at the time, and they still had one that hadn't closed yet, and I really wanted for my birthday to be able to go to a drive-in movie. I absolutely loved it. It was a double feature. We were there for like five and a half hours. You could have all the popcorn you could eat. It was a great summer day. But unique... There's actually uh, drive-in churches actually out in California, and these kind of caught my attention. And I thought, well, I wonder what it's like in the context of community with this environment. And the reality is, it's literally they pull in, no one talks to one another, they listen to the message, and then they drive away. And I thought, here you have a community of people that literally drive, drive in, drive out, and there's no change, at least in the context of community while they're in the drive-in. And I thought, sometimes church can become that for a lot of us, that we simply pull in and pull out, and not much changes, or we show up and we leave week after week after week. We don't really talk to anybody, we just kind of go on with the normal. And lastly, Hebrews 10 is one of the stiffest examples of warning and caution in terms of church community. Why does the writer get so intense in examining the reasons for following Jesus? These are regarded to as the warning passages in Hebrews. 
The scriptures explore Jesus as the high priest. Jesus was our sacrifice because we are too imperfect and too broken. But since Christ died for us, what should our response be? And as I was really thinking of how to perfectly frame Hebrews chapter 10, I ran across a podcast by Tim Mackey um, called Exploring My Strange Bible. And he really had this great thought uh, in terms of Hebrews chapter 10 uh, in regards to someone named Edward Jenner. For those of you that don't know, Edward Jenner was a 17th century British doctor and surgeon. He was a prominent doctor, and he was known for creating the vaccine for the disease smallpox. We know that smallpox was eradicated in 1979. The great thing is Edward Jenner literally got rid of smallpox. It would usually kill most of its victims by high fever. Jenner's mission was to get rid of smallpox. What Jenner discovered is that people on dairy farms would get similar signs of a pox-like virus, but they would survive. The disease he discovered was something called cowpox. Clever name, right? He decided to inject healthy humans with the cowpox strain, and lo and behold, it made people immune to smallpox. Injecting people with the virus was unheard of in the 17th century. Once Jenner produced his medical results, what do you think happened? Just like you probably guessed, there was huge backlash. People in England accused him of government conspiracies. The church condemned his work and stated that if individuals got injected, that they would literally sprout cow heads from their body. People simply did not understand that injecting a cow virus into a human could and would fix smallpox. Fear kept people from experiencing health and a cure. The remedy was already there, but fear kept people from experiencing health. What was left for people who rejected Jenner's smallpox fix? Well, the answer is consequences, that's what. So, all of us should listen closely to the story of Edward Jenner. Because Jenner really gets us into the meat of Hebrews chapter 10. In Hebrews 10, the writer has already said through chapters 5 and 10 that Jesus is superior to all things, that he is the priest and he's our offering. As the priest would once a year enter the Holy of Holies and sacrifice for the nation of Israel, Jesus takes our sins, dies, and opens the curtain to the most holy space. We all get invited to this space. So how should we respond to living considering that we are invited into the most holy place. Well, those are all in Hebrews as well, and here's the three answers. The first is we need to draw near to God with a clean heart. The book of Psalms talks about this often. The heart speaks of relationship. It speaks of our whole being, our whole self. But also note what's going on here. So let us draw near to God with a clean heart. If you had been a Jewish listener hearing this message from the book of Hebrews, you might not have been too happy with this part. Because what initially the writer is saying is that the temple is dispensable. That everyone can enter the Holy of Holies. We're all invited and we're all chosen. We don't have to go to the temple and have a priest one day a year offer up a sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. 
It also says a little bit about baptism here because it talks about sprinkling of the heart. What he's saying is you can't be the same person whenever you come into the presence of God. You die to yourself and you come up as a new creation. Something incredible happens. And what he's saying is remember your proclamation of faith. Remember that moment. Since Jesus died for us, we are declared clean. In the cross, God took care of what separated us from him. And this requires response. You see, we can't sit on the couch with this message. We are saved so that we can get to work. And that brings us to the first response of let us draw near to God with a clean heart. The second is let us hold fast to our confession. Now, if we're honest, many of us, whenever we think of the word confession, think that you're in some ways saving face for something bad that you did. Or we maybe think of somebody who gets subpoenaed to court and they're giving a statement or a confession. But that's not really what it's talking about here. This means that we confess in our hope of the gospel. It's that we hold fast to the story of God. The story that he's redeeming our world, our neighbor, and us. It is the hope that heaven will one day be here. It states this because the gospel, if we're honest, is a little bit strange. I mean, think about this, that a 14-year-old girl named Mary becomes pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And we know that this is the long-coming Messiah, whose name is Emmanuel, who later has public ministry, dies by the Romans, and then that becomes relevant to each and every person who's ever lived. And this is the plan for salvation. It might sound as strange as injecting cow diseases into healthy people. So we have to hold fast to this story. We can't entertain other stories. And lastly, let us consider how to stir each other up in good works. This is huge as the day draws near. You see, we all live together in allegiance to God. And we need things like spaces, rhythms, and times to learn out how to live the gospel. Maybe you've thought of it like this. The gospel at all times is in competition with all other thoughts and teachings of this world. For instance, here's just a few. Ways to better yourself. Horoscopes, other religions, postmodernism. There's many more. And the gospel is always at war with these. But this points us to life together, the good news. There are no free agents in the church. We should all come together on purpose, on time, to draw near to God weekly. Edward Jenner had the news, but people didn't accept it. The question is, will we do the same with the message of Hebrews chapter 10? So just a few questions to consider as we end our second week and we are the church. What is one thing that stood out to you from this week's message? The second question is, what does this text encourage believers to do and not do? The third is, why do most people avoid community and settle for a come-and-go church? 
The fourth is how has God used authentic community to enrich your life? And maybe the most important question, is there anyone you know who needs community? Whenever I asked this question earlier today in church, every hand went up in the room. Everyone knows someone who needs community. So to follow up, how can you invite them to join you next week in whatever context you have? Because it is incredibly important that we actually meet together for purposes of encouragement, of truth building, of of literally everything you can think of from accountability uh, to medicine for your soul. Um, often we see that the biggest missing link is regular service attending. Not for attendance sake or for statistic purposes, but it's just good for our soul to be around others and learn adventure together as we learn about God and create spaces and rhythms that we learn how to do life together. And so I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast and we are the church and may you have a great night. We'll see you next week.